Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you gain a deeper relationship with your teen. On today's episode, Mark Gregston answers some of your most pressing questions. Let's hear what he has to say. How cool is it that you guys have been taking advantage of asking questions and and, uh, I'm sitting here with pages and pages and pages. It must be hundreds of questions that are being sent in. And so what I'm trying to do is to go through each one of them and and say, okay, I'm going to answer these things, but I'm going to make it where I'm going to tell you at the beginning what those questions are and um, give you the opportunity to decide whether you want to listen or not rather than wasting your time. And so uh, once I do that, and, and, you know, it's always, uh, there's always something about electronics. There's always something about structure and rules within the home. There's always something about, you know, some time about our own in, uh, relationship that we have with our kids. And, and um, but here's the questions we're going to deal with today. You know, one, one mother writes and she said, you know, I've, I've still been teaching uh, and I do that really well. Uh, I haven't transferred to really a training model. Uh, do I acknowledge that error to my kids? Somebody else said, I asked my kids what was the one thing they'd change about me, and <laughs> they haven't got back with me or talked to me. Another question is this. My daughter has no social media and has time limits on her phone for sneaking around and lying and looking at information. Do I continue to let, let's talk about the phone just a little bit. I think that's important. Uh, Another question is, what happens if my kid uh, turns 18? Uh, Are all the rules and expectations lifted now that they're an adult? Another question is this, hey, in general, the foundational part of relationship I've got going for me, I just need a little bit of help with structure. And so that's what we're going to talk about. We'll spend the next few minutes answering some of these questions and and um, and hopefully give you some direction. You know, one of the things that I, that, that I think is so important in, in all of these things that we talk about when we start sharing about uh, answers and everything else, the relational aspect of what you're doing with your kids becomes so important. And, the, and those words that are transferred back and forth... There's a guy that made a comment. He said, conversation isn't about proving a point. True conversation is about going on a journey with the people you are speaking with. And these are your kids. It's about the journey that you'll go on from here on out for the days ahead. It's not just, okay, let me let me have a bit of wisdom I got to share with them. Let me teach them something else. We get into this mindset sometimes that that parenting is a program and parenting is not a program. It's not something you do. Parenting is a relationship. It is something that you are. And there's a big difference between the two. And so in all that I talk about and all that I respond to people, let it be let, let all the answers come from the person that 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 you are. It's not something that you do. Are you following me? This is important. Okay, so here's a question. So if I've been teaching and I haven't really transferred to a training model yet, which is really ages 12 through 19. Do I acknowledge, you know, my heirs to my kids and the, and the, and, or do I just start showing up different? Let me share this with you. Your kids will not see you as any different than you were in their preteen years uh, unless you acknowledge that and let them start seeing you from a different perspective. 
That's important. And it's going to come from your words. It's going to come from your actions. And it's both of those coupled together that, that are going to give a strong message to your child that, that no, we're doing something different here. And I'm, I'm one of those guys that always thinks that we ought to be sharing um, maybe our inadequacies, our, our difficulties, our struggles, our hardships, the, the stuff that, that uh, we don't do well, the stuff that we do bad even, and get it out on the table so your child knows that the stuff that they do bad and the inadequacies and the struggles and the difficulties and the hardships they have, they can get those out on the table. Because it's only when it comes to light and you start sharing about yourself, the genuineness and authenticity factor in your life, will you have a deeper relationship with your child? And I take it because you're listening to the answers to these questions. You're really wanting a relationship to go a little bit deeper. Here's another question. I, I, I asked my kids, what was the one thing they would change about me? And they never came back with an answer. Okay. You can't change your kids on this, but, but let me give you some pointers here. Your kids may not want to come back to you because you're not safe. Because if, if they give you an answer and you make an excuse then you've shut them down. If they give you the answer that you're um, maybe not wanting to hear, but need to hear some concept, uh, and you tell them where they're wrong and how they really need to perceive you and what needs to be different, then they go, you know what, you're more concerned about your answer than you are about understanding them. And so there's something about saying, um, I'd like for you to tell me what you would change about me but I want you to know that you're safe because I know this. And mom, this may be where it's hard because I know what I do whenever you give me an answer. I know that I correct you. I tell you where you're wrong. I tell you how you can do things different. And I don't want to do that. I want to hear your heart. So that's one side of it. Those are the things that you can change as a mom. The second part of this is, is you can encourage them in some way. Now, I don't know what age your child is that you're talking about. If it's a 12-year-old, it's far different than an 18-year-old. You're talking about somebody who, you know, who just came out of sixth grade and, and you know, as opposed to an 18-year-old that can join the military, get married and vote and, and um, you know, move out and do whatever they want. I mean, they're an adult. So there's a, a big span. If you've got a younger child, then it's it's starting to set them up and say, you know, it's okay for us to talk about these things. It's okay to find out. And, and the, I find the best way to get other people to share is to share your stuff first. And so maybe that can be a way that you engage with them just a little bit different. Another question that I, that I think is wonderful, it says, my daughter has no social media and has time limits on her phone for sneaking around and looking at stuff she doesn't need to be looking at. Do I continue to let her keep her phone because uh, she can be on it since she wakes up and I've given her the talk about what screen time does to a brain. So do I continue to let her stay on the phone all day? What do I do? Okay, one, your child, regardless of the age, isn't going to understand what it's doing to their brain. And if they do understand what it's doing to their brain, they wouldn't care. It's like, it's like I'm going to give you a bunch of information about what it's doing. That helps me in understanding uh, what I need to do with my child. But it does no good to tell a child that your brain is going to get fried if you keep looking at a screen. Because this... 
Your child is looking at the screen for the most part. It could be out of curiosity, and they may be going places they shouldn't be going, and that needs to be limited. Or it may be that they're wanting to connect with people because they don't have a connection. They're really fulfilling. They're truly fulfilling a God-given attribute that's been built into them for relationships, and they're not having those in in normal relationships. And, and, you know, a, a pandemic has an amazing way of keeping people from engaging with one another, so they do stupid stuff on a phone to engage. And that's where you're going to see language be a little bit different. You're going to see the inappropriateness of pictures. You're going to see comments, and usually it's negative comments. That's what gets attention. You know, you're going to you're going to see a number of things of them trying to get value off of what they post or get recognition or to appear to be strong in a certain way uh, or to perform and look how good I am. And it's all the, the, the relational needs kind of wrapped up in one and giving kids an opportunity. OK, so so you understand what's happening with the phone, but but. There still needs to be a limit. At age 12, I'm going to watch everything, look at everything. At age 18, the phone's yours. You do whatever you want. You know, at age 12, I'm going to limit them and say, you know, you get to be on a phone for two hours a day, maybe. You know, at 18, I don't care. You know, as they get older, I let them be on the phone more, but I'm also requiring other things of them. The tendency that most of us have is that let's take away the phone. Then what are you going to replace it with? What are you going to do that's going to meet the relational needs of your child when you take the phone back away from them? Because we got two things going on. One is access to the Internet. I mean, and, and the way that the Internet information and exposure has a kind of infiltrates your home. You can limit that. You can get them a phone that doesn't have Internet access, but it allows them to connect. And I see that most kids are just wanting to connect with somebody else. That's their drive and motivation. You know, now as they get older, of course they're going to be exposed to more, and you got to have a lot of those discussions with them. But my point of it is, is that at the early stages, it, you know, I mean, at some point, who, whose phone is it anyway? So if it's your phone and you bought the phone for your child to use, then you have rights to look at that phone, spend time with that phone. But maybe at age fifteen or sixteen, you go, you know what? You need a job. And you need to, to, to do a job so you can have money to pay for your phone rather than me paying for it. Because now we're getting into this issue of entitlement. We're also getting into this issue of mom and dad providing everything all the time and never requiring anything from a child. And we wonder why they're so stinking selfish sometimes. So who's paying for the phone? Limited, yes based upon the appropriateness of their age. But at the same time, you know, come up with a plan that says, at some point I'll pay for the phone. At some point you're going to have to pay for the phone because it also means they're going to have to get a job and learn how to balance life. Remember, remember, you you are training up a child in the way they should go, and they're going to learn how to balance a phone, balance a job, balance academics, balance their social interaction. You're going to help them with all of that. One of the problems that we have with so much of these electronics is we spoil our kids early on and they get hooked on this stuff, which is it's attractive. It's fun. They want to spend time doing that. We use it as a babysitter, as a way to entertain them and to keep them out of our hair so we can have some normalcy of life at times. But then they get so hooked on it. Now we're trying to stop them. And it's and it's a little bit hard to back that train up that's that's been roaring down the tracks at 100 miles an hour. You catch what I'm saying? 
So there's a part of it where where I go, yes, we've got to manage that. And I'm, I'm going to mention again, like I always do with this, there's a book by David Murrow um, called Drowning in Screen Time. It's a must for every parent's library to talk about the effects that, that these phones and all these screens are having on our kids. But at the same time, you know, it, it's it, we get this idea if we just take everything away from them, then then everything will be okay, and that's not true um, because we still have the relationship issue that we need to deal with, and their desire to connect, and their desire to appear and perform in certain ways because the relationship isn't working. That's where your kids will do things that are inappropriate to get attention. And uh, this is what we got to be careful about and manage them and teach them how to be responsible. Let them make choices, but we check in. You know, people do what you inspect, not what you expect. So at an early age, I'm inspecting everything on their phone in hopes of training them and teaching them how to balance that phone in their life. Okay, here's another question. Somebody says, what, what happens when my kid turns 18? Well, when your kid turns 18, you're freed up, mom and dad. You got the opportunity to say, yes, you are 18. And they say, well, I can do what I want. Yes, you can, and so can we. You know, it's when a child turns 18 and they're still at home, that's the bigger problem. And so, yes, as long as they're in your home, then there is something about there, we have rules set up about how we operate our home. The other part of it is, is that the, those rules have got to be uh, developed for them so that they're getting to a better place in life and they should enjoy it by then. But there's house rules and then there's other just expectations. Now, I say that all under the umbrella of letting your child take control of their life and make more decisions. So by age 18, they ought, they ought to be making great decisions. They ought to be learning because you're engaged with them, helping them along the way, but you're giving them the opportunity to flex those decision-making muscles so they're strong enough to pick up the heavier stuff the older they get. So what happens when your kid turns 18? You're in a better spot. That's where you are. Uh, here's another question that somebody says, in general, I have the foundation of relationship, but I'm having a tough time with this structure thing. What do I do? You know, let me let me give you a, a, a quick idea here. The structure that you've developed within your home is, is developed so that it's helping your child get to a better place. And I just mentioned that a second ago. It's called discipline. Discipline is helping a child get to where they want to go and keeping them from where they don't want to end up. So it's about them. It's not about us. And sometimes we get that idea that that structure means that it's bad and it's our demand on kids. And, and I'm going, no, 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 no. It's, it's to help your kids get to a better spot. So if it, I, I tell kids all the time, is this where you want to end up? And I go, no, okay, then I'll help you not get there. So let's put some things into play to keep you from doing that. And that may be from taking meds to not smoking pot to, to committing to not drinking during high school. That's why That may be why I check. I put a little tab on their tongue and find out whether they've had alcohol in 24 hours. Not so that I can nail them and punish them, but where I can help keep them in line so that they don't end up at a place that they don't want to be. And I can encourage them to not do things like that. I mean, it's kind of like this. I, when my child goes off to college, I know that they have the opportunity to consume alcohol. I don't care what kind of school it is they're going to. 
They have the opportunity. But the reason that I've trained them early on is I want them to know that alcohol has an amazing way of confusing what you're doing. And it can take a grip of you in, cer in certain ways that you're going to lose out on many opportunities in your life. You have the choice to do that if you want, but I'll help you and encourage you. So if you go so many months without drinking, I'm happy to pay for your car insurance. I'm happy to do this. I'm happy, whatever it is, it's holding a, a carrot before them. If you ever have a DUI, I'm taking the car away. I don't care whether you're in college, whatever it is. If it's my car, I'm taking it away or I'll quit paying the insurance. My point of it is, is that structure helps a child get to where they want to go. And it's all about them. It's not about me. And so when that structure is in place, it's really a benefit to them. Because what I'm saying is, what are the, what are the five things that I want from you? If you just do these five things, then we'll do really well. And if you do those five things, here's five things that I will do for you. And that's different between the ages of 12 and 18. But at 18, it may be, I'll pay for college. I will, you know, I'll send you on a trip. I'll let you go abroad and study. I will, whatever it is. At age 12, it may be little things that get their attention that engage them differently. Because what you're doing is encouraging good behavior and good choices, and you're discouraging bad choices and inappropriate behavior. Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens. For more information, visit parentingtodaysteens.org. And to learn more about Heartlight, visit heartlightministries.org. If this podcast has been helpful to your family, please share it or give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Of course, you can listen to Parenting Today's Teens wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us back here on Monday for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.